The views expressed in this podcast are solely those of the individuals being interviewed and do not necessarily represent those of the Greater Winter Haven Chamber of Commerce. You're listening to It's Happening in the Haven. I'm your host, Katie Worthington-Decker. Each episode, I get the privilege to speak to the amazing people taking Winter Haven and its surrounding Central Florida area to the next level. We're future-focused, celebrating our entrepreneurial history, and leveraging it for our bright future ahead. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us for another episode of It's Happening in the Haven. I'm your host, Katie Worthington-Decker, President and CEO of the Greater Winter Haven Chamber of Commerce, and I'm joined today by my co-host, Rachel Lawrence, Marketing Coordinator for the Chamber. This podcast is produced by the Winter Haven Chamber, as you probably guessed, but made possible through a phenomenal partnership with Dolphin Image Studios. Our producer at Dolphin is Joe. Hey, Joe, tell our listeners a little bit about Dolphin Image Studios. Thanks, Katie. Dolphin Image Studios is a full production film and television studio. We offer a 3,000-square-foot soundstage, psych wall, LED wall, an 8-acre backlot, and a podcast studio. To find us, go to facebook.com backslash Dolphin Image Studios, as well as on our Instagram at Dolphin Image Studios. Today, we have two strong female leaders in our community on the podcast. First, we hear from Lakeland Magic President Shelly Wilkes. Shelly came in to be interviewed on the day that I had that terrible stomach bug. So I want to thank our VP of Member Services, Amanda Jo Nicholson, who stepped up to interview Shelly. Then we get an update on the 2020 census from Polk Vision's executive director, Kim Long, and why it is so important to get an accurate count of the number of people that are in Polk County. So, Joe, have you been to a Lakeland Magic game yet? No, I no, I haven't. I've only been to Orlando Magic games, but that was years ago. I yeah. didn't even know we had a Lakeland Magic team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They've been around um, for a couple of years, as we're going to hear about. But they are really, um, the games are so professionally done and really exciting. And, of course, they're played at the RP Funding Center, but in Lakeland. Is that downtown? That is the old Lakeland Center in downtown Lakeland. The Lakeland Civic Center is what I knew it as. Yeah, Lakeland up. Civic okay, Center. Okay, so that is the So same. they, one of the beauty of having the Lakeland Magic slash Orlando Magic um, organization in Polk County is that they bring a lot of sponsorship opportunities. Okay. So when they started playing at the what we knew as the Lakeland Civic Center or the Lakeland Center, right. um, it was renamed the RP Funding Center. Ooh, um, yeah. Sounds so very it, it does sound very official. But I mean, when you walk through the hallways, they have a, a Mountain Dew corner and a Ford corner. I mean, it's really Really, it's sponsored and um, a lot more food offerings. In fact, I think Grove Roots has a booth over there. Oh, that's uh, yeah, awesome. so there's enough reason for I you mean, to there go you over go. there. Yeah, I mean, right now. I'll take that. So, but it's really neat. Um, we we uh, really enjoy going to the games. We take our daughter to the games, and it's a lot of fun to to do. I mean, and they are these are all guys that were top of their game in college too. I mean, there's just only so many spots. Oh, in the, the, I mean, the, the NBA, NBA is so oh, yeah. it's already small as it is. So it's called the G League now. Um, but it was the develop. I mean, essentially, it's the developmental league for the Orlando Magic. So you could be somebody playing, see somebody playing in Lakeland on a Friday night, and then Saturday night they got picked up to play with the Magic. So it's it's really That's neat. That's pretty interesting to see. I love yeah. seeing players that have to come down. I, mean, I don't follow basketball as much as like soccer, but right. it's it's great to see the talent. It's bigger than you think. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah they're phenomenal. So you got to go check out a game. I definitely will. <laughs> Thank you.
This podcast would not be possible without our Chamber Investor Businesses stepping up to support us. We'd like to thank one of our podcast presenting sponsors, Meeks Real Estate. Winter Haven was rated by Realtor.com as our number one hottest real estate market. Do you need help navigating your home search? Meeks Real Estate LLC is owned and operated by broker Realtor Carla Meeks. Carla has over 14 years of experience in residential and commercial real estate, as well as her GRI designation. Her office is located at 1510 North Broadway Avenue in Bartow, but Carla is actively involved in all of Polk County. Call or text Carla at any time. She would love to help you buy, sell, build, and invest in Central Florida. 863-604-9287 or visit CarlaMeeksRealtor.com. That's C-A-R-L-A-M-E-E-K-S Realtor.com. Hi, I'm Amanda Jo Nicholson and I'm standing in for Katie Worthington-Decker. Shelley Wilkes may be a relative newcomer to Polk County, but you would never know it. She settled right into her role as president of the Lakeland Magic, a role she was hired for in December 2016. She jumped right into all that comes with it in terms of getting engaged and involved in our community. She is a UCF Knight, which makes Katie our president very happy and she has been integral in growing professional sports and its economic impact in Polk County. Welcome to the podcast, Shelley. Thanks for having me. Do you want to tell us a little bit about how you got involved in basketball? Yeah, so it's interesting. I'm very tall, and so everyone automatically assumes that I played basketball, um, but I actually didn't. It's the one sport I didn't play growing up, and it was because I went to try out for the team as a freshman in high school, and the coach made us do suicides on day one. Oh, no. <laughs> and I said, nah, I'm good. Um, so I, <laughs> I actually played volleyball at the University of Central Florida, and... Through that experience, didn't really know what I wanted to do after school. You're playing all the time, you're in practice all the time, and you're going to school, and you're just kind of in the daily grind, and you don't really have a lot of time to think about what happens after college. And so a sport management program was actually starting at UCF called the DeVos Sport Business Management Program that was a two-year degree program that you would get your MBA and your master's in sport business. And so I entered that program, and the great part about it is it was originally funded by the DeVos family, who actually owns the Orlando Magic as well. So really cool tie-in with the Orlando Magic in Orlando, and I had a lot of opportunities to work with the team on uh, different projects through school. I worked game nights there in the marketing department, and so through that really found my love of basketball and my way uh, to know that I wanted to work in the NBA. You worked your way up uh, at the Orlando Magic. Tell us how you were considered with, uh, for this role and the journey that it required um, to get there. Yeah, definitely. So I spent 13 years with the Orlando Magic, not including my first year as a game night staff member. And through that journey, it was a lot of fun. I started actually in our ticket sales department and then moved over to what really my passion where I was with game production and game entertainment. So if anybody has been to a professional sporting event, I was basically basically the game producer for all the fun stuff. So everything that wasn't the game. So overseeing the mascot, dance team, video elements. Um, so all the things that come together to pr produce the show. We often say that if you leave a sporting event and you don't know who won or lost, but you had a great time, we've done our jobs well. And so um, through the magic and why I think I was kind of pegged for this role when it we were bringing the G League team to Lakeland uh, was I 
took on a lot of different projects. Um, people often ask me, like, well, how did this even happen? And, you know, I often say my skill set and my number one skill or number one strength is not like a thing. It's just I have tended to have the ability to just get stuff done. And so finding a way. And I've through that was able to take on a lot of different projects and different opportunities with my time with the magic that kind of set me up and put me in a position that I was ready uh, to take on a role like this. It's, it's really fun to hear about how the journey that you took to get here. But the MBA as an environment is is still um, an unusual um, arena for a woman. Can you speak to a little bit what it's like being a woman in that kind of environment? Yeah, so the MBA is actually the most progressive professional sports league, I would say, um, amongst the major four. And because of that, women have had the opportunity to grow and develop in multiple different roles. And so on the business side, I would say the Orlando Magic staff is probably 50-50 women to men on nice. staff. Nice. Um, at the executive level, there's still growth that needs to happen. Uh, we're not quite there from a an even split, but we do have a lot of women leading uh, different departments within the organization. So it's great. And the NBA is now expanding to on-court opportunities, whether that's a referee program. So in the G League specifically, we have multiple female refs that are training in the G League to hopefully one day become NBA referees. Um, tons of assistant coaches that are women, both in the G League level, and now you're starting to see that more prominently in the NBA as well. So the league has done a really great job from diversity uh, and continuing to push diversity initiatives uh, throughout the entire league, through the G League and in the WNBA. Uh, so when I was given this position, I was the first female team president of the G League, and now I want to say there's four or five women uh, kind of leading the helm. Everyone has different titles based on their um, position within their organization, right. but there are four or five women now in charge of G League team operations. So it's growing for sure, and it's fun to see that it keeps happening. Awesome. That's wonderful. A true trailblazer. Yes, trying. And Shelly, I kind of have a three-part question. Um, you, you mentioned the G League. What is the G League, and how did we get a team in here in Polk County and how do you interact with the Orlando Magic as a team? Yeah, so the NBA G League is the official minor league system of the NBA. It was founded in 2001 and really started as a smaller organization, wasn't um, fully invested in, and really over the last five to seven years has seen tremendous growth. So now the league's initiative is for all NBA teams to own and operate their own G League team. When we started in 2001, there were only eight teams, and today we're at 28 We'll be at 29 going into next year with the ultimate goal being 30 for all 30 NBA teams. Wow. So tons of growth. And the, the main point of the G League at the end of the day is to be a player and development location for NBA players. Uh, so the way we act, interact with the Orlando Magic. So my direct supervisor, my direct boss is the CEO of the Orlando Magic. So we're very tied in from a business operations standpoint. From a basketball standpoint, our general manager, Anthony Parker, is a scout for the Orlando Magic. So very tied in on the basketball side. Uh, we do a lot of players back and forth, specifically, unfortunately, this year, because a lot of the Orlando Magic players have been injured. Uh, so they've had a lot of our guys playing on the court up there. Uh, they send a lot of their guys down to us for rehab um, or to get some game minutes. So it's very, very intertwined uh, business operation and basketball operation with Orlando. Right. And the Orlando Magic obviously is a very well-established brand and name. 
Um, and, and here in Polk County, professional basketball was, was really quite a new thing when, when you guys came. Can you speak a little bit about the opportunities and challenges you faced having that integrate into Polk? Yeah, so moving a professional minor league team into Polk County definitely has its challenges. First of all, you're in a situation where um, people hopefully know the Orlando Magic name, uh, which is why we kept the name Magic. It was funny coming into this, we actually did a naming contest where we had people submit potential names for the team. (laughs) And so we had a lot of creative names and Lakeland Magic was obviously one of the names submitted and that's where we ended up. But we started going through the list and going through the votes for them. And, you know, you had names like Swans or Magicians or wizards and it was just kind of right. all over the place was there any top contenders well swans was actually a contender because it's such a big thing in lakeland right. um but then when you start thinking about cheering for a specific thing like cheering for swans <laughs> is a little strange so but at the end of the day we selected the magic because there's 30 years of brand equity mm-hmm. in that you weren't dropping a team calling it something random and then having to explain even what sport you are right so if we stuck with the magic moniker people knew we were a basketball team uh, that we were tied with the orlando magic our logo is very similar and so we the the biggest challenge has been the awareness piece and i still we're in our third season and i still meet people every single day that are like wait who are you what do you do Mm -hmm. and so that is a tough one to overcome. And so we're still continuing to find ways to integrate into the entire Polk County community and get people to come and experience a game. Because as you know, Amanda, you've been to many games that it is an awesome experience. And when people come, they always want to come back. Absolutely. And I think one of the other challenges is that specifically at the RP Funding Center, which formerly was the Lakeland Civic Center, Uh uh, there's been quite a few minor league sports teams that have come in and out. And They're teams that probably didn't have the backing that they needed to sustain uh, time to build a fan base, uh, where we obviously are owned and operated by an NBA organization. And we have the the staying power that we're not going anywhere. We're here for many, many years. The league is continuing to grow. The usage of the league is continuing to grow. So we're not leaving. But getting people to believe that and buy in uh, has taken some time. So we're uh, we're still there and we're still... um, fighting for people to pay attention to what we're doing. And we're very involved in everything in the community. We often say we have to be more than basketball. And I think we do a good job of that. Uh, Now, Shelly, the Lakeland Magic is now practicing at the new Winter Haven Fieldhouse and Conference Center. Why do you play at one location and practice at another? Because I know that you said that the team is still at the RP Funding Center. And what impact will the Lakeland Magic team practicing in Winter Haven have on the community here? Absolutely. So part of the agreement uh, with the city and uh, Polk County Sports Marketing and us coming to the, the county in general was that we needed an arena to play in. So that's where the RP Funding Center comes into play in Lakeland. But we also needed somewhere to practice. So the reason why we needed two separate facilities is because the RP Funding Center is an arena that operates many, many events. So it's not often available, um, set up in a basketball configuration for Um, us to practice. So we needed somewhere uh, to practice and Winter Haven was already building this great facility here locally. So through that agreement with Polk County Sports Marketing made a lot of sense um, for us to come here and and have the ability to practice there. So just so you know, for our first three years, we've had the ability to go to Polk State, um, but they obviously need their facility for all of their teams too. 
So we've been somewhat nomadic over the past three years where we just are calling around to different gyms, seeing who's available. But now we have the Advent Health Fieldhouse and it is available to us to practice as needed. And they've been great partners in the city of Winter Haven uh, to help us get our feet off the ground and get going there. So what does that mean for the community? Uh, So we will be doing a lot more community events and opportunities for people to interact with the team there and players there. So on February 8th, Uh, we actually are doing an open to the community basketball clinic for youth. So we will have our entire team there, all of our coaching staff, and it's open to the public for everyone to come in for a youth basketball clinic. At the same time, we'll be running a coaches, um, parents clinic, sorry, positive parenting alliance will be there. And so while their kids are on the court, uh, there's this somewhat like a parent seminar to talk to them about being uh, supportive parents while their kids are playing sports uh, and being the right type of uh, positive parent for their players that are uh, playing the sport. So you'll see more stuff like that that's around basketball and around uh, the opportunity to interact with the team. I love going to the games and it's so much fun. But if if any of our listeners haven't been to a Lakeland Magic game, do you want to tell them a little bit about how the team's doing this season, yeah. but what they can expect if they come to to a game and, and, and what would else would you want them to know? Yeah, so when people come into a game, you can really expect a high-energy experience, something where you can bring family and friends and enjoy the game together. So walking into the arena, you're automatically hearing fun music. You walk into the Florida Blue Family Zone. There's inflatable games. There's a coloring station. There's the opportunity to sometimes do a photo booth or face painting. So it just kind of depends on the game, but there's a ton of entertainment there. And then when the game starts, we typically will have a local elementary or middle school singing the national anthem. So you're seeing the community engaged on the court. Uh, There's tons of opportunities for groups to get on the court and participate with the game, whether that's high five lines or halftime performances or anthem opportunities. So we really want to involve the community in the game entertainment experience as well. Uh, and so during the game, we have our 3-2-1 hype crew, who's actually the Orlando Magic hype crew uh, that comes and they put on all the contests that you see on the court, t-shirt tosses. Uh, you'll see our mascot Swish, uh, who's really fun to interact with. And then obviously a great game of basketball. So super competitive on the court. Uh, I think we're currently sitting at first in the Southeast Division and I think sixth in the East. And we'll continue to uh, fight for a playoff spot this year. We fortunately have made the playoffs our first two seasons. Yes. And uh, team's doing quite well. There's been a lot of roster movement this year because of injuries. Uh, But team has stuck together. We have a great head coach in Stan Heath that does a fantastic job of laying the vision and groundwork for the team. And so a lot of high-flying action on the the court, um, a lot of fun entertainment during those breaks and and just a really great family experience. Shelly, one thing that I admire about you most is your ability to manage a high-level job and also have a beautiful family at home. I know that you have two little ones um, and you just had your second child in 2019. Uh, What is that life like and how do you how do you and your husband manage it? Yeah, it's crazy. Um, <laughs> so I have a three-year-old girl, Quinn, and a almost eight-month-old little girl named Addison. And it has been uh, the best part of my life for sure. And I'm very fortunate. I have a, an amazing partner and my husband, and we um, just coordinate our lives. We literally live on the iPhone shared family calendar. Right. If we did not have that, I don't know how we would survive. Uh, probably lots of arguments. But um, <laughs> in general, it works really well. And I, 
I'm just fortunate to be in a role where I'm able to provide that example for my girls. Like I want them to grow up knowing uh, that they can do whatever they want to do. I bring them to a lot of our games. Our fans know who they are. Season ticket members interact with them all the time and they're part of the family. I want to, it's helped me make our organization very family friendly uh, from a workplace environment. And I want people to know that Family is number one. It's our number one priority. And I want to show that example uh, by including my family in everything that we're doing. So uh, we make it work. Uh, it's just a lot of communication and um, fortunate, have a ton of support around us just with friends uh, and family who will help us out. That's incredible. It really is. And it's great to see your family at the games. Um, and it really is a good family friendly atmosphere. I know. My husband and I love going to the games. It's great to see everybody there. And it's just always such a fun time. Um, I want to thank you for being here. I know how busy your schedule is. And it's just, it's wonderful to spend time and, and hear more about magic um, and everything that's going on. Um, if if our listeners want to hear more or learn more about the Lakeland Magic or purchase season tickets, you can visit lakelandmagic.com. That's correct. Season tickets are available now for the 2021 season. Um, we have great incentives for coming on board and being a part of the Magic family. And then we have a few more games coming up this season. Our last game at home before the playoffs will be March 25th. So people can still get their tickets by going to lakelandmagic.com. Wonderful. Thank you, Shelly. And we'll finish with a Let's Go Magic. All yes, right. March is National Colon Cancer Awareness Month. Advent Health wants to help you learn more about the importance of colon health by inviting you to take an interactive walk through a giant colon at this year's health fair, where you can get a variety of screenings, learn about heart health, and meet local physicians. The annual health fair is on March 15th from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Join Advent Health Heart of Florida at 40100 U.S. Highway 27 in Davenport to learn more about the risk factors and get the answers you need to help you feel whole. Learn more at adventhealth.com. That's adventhealth.com. Our next guest today is Kim Long, Executive Director of Polk Vision. Polk Vision is a countywide nonprofit dedicated to addressing our community's greatest challenges through collaboration with numerous organizations. We will have a series of segments dedicated to their work and how we can all collaborate to help in their efforts. In today's episode, we are talking about how this year they have taken the role of being one of the leaders in educating the public about the importance of the 2020 Census. Welcome to the podcast, Kim. Thank you, Katie. Thanks for hosting us. Absolutely. Well, I know in just our pre-conversation that I'm going to learn a lot and our listeners are going to learn a lot about the 2020 census and its importance. So for our listeners, just kind of um, laying a groundwork, how would you describe uh, what Polk Vision's role is in our community? 
Uh, Polk Vision is part of uh, a countywide initiative uh, to convene a complete counts committee. Mm-hmm. We were challenged uh, uh, originally by the 2020 census um, outreach folks. Uh, they, they have us divided up into regions. Uh, they came to us and said, you know, we really need you to galvanize local support around this initiative so that uh, individuals that might be resistant or concerned about taking the census have a relatable conce- concept and context to the census. Certainly, and from a trusted organization like Polk Vision. Thank you. Absolutely. And so what is a census? What For, for our listeners that you know, may have never been the head of household filling out it, what is right. a, a census? Right. Well, it's congressionally mandated. It goes back to our founding fathers. Mm-hmm. Um, at Once every 10 years, uh, they would like to know how many souls are on our shores. Mm-hmm. Uh, you will notice I didn't say anything about citizenship or residency. Mm-hmm. Uh, the purpose of the census is to get an accurate count of the number of individuals on our shores uh, residing here so that adequate governmental uh, preparedness and funding streams can be allocated. There's also a political um, uh, ramification from the count. Uh, Congressional seats in Washington Mm -hmm. are gained or lost based upon population centers. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Ten years ago, uh, Florida gained two seats in the Florida House of Representatives. And if we keep pace with anticipated growth and we have an accurate count, we're apt to gain another seat. Um, I met with Congressman Soto the other day about the census. Um, He was interested in our efforts here in Polk County, and he reminded me that his uh, congressional seat represents the fifth most populous in the United States. Wow. Wow. So we have our work cut out for that us. is and that and that is a very good point, because when you think about, you know, of course, the House of Representatives is based off the representation, the population uh, of your uh, state in the districts within that state. So it is projected that Florida could become, quote, even more influential right. <laughs> in the House of Representatives um, in D.C. Uh, if population projections and but if we get a accurate count. Right. And that's and that's really what the complete counts committee is about. It mm-hmm. isn't it also um you know allocation for that some 7 trillion dollars that's anticipated to be spent over the next 10 years is also in play. Mm-hmm. So when our local when our congressmen and our senators are interested in getting a complete count so that they can then go to Washington and make certain that the allocation is properly um forwarded down to Florida for redistribution right. to the counties. Yep, absolutely. So it's uh, it's a it's estimated to be about $1400 per person mm-hmm. annually. Wow. So anybody that wants to do that math, mm-hmm. right? It's $1400 per person in potential federal funding. And if you do the converse of that, think of the missed counts. Right. So if we miss counting someone, that math then works against us. Absolutely. And so what methods does the census take to collect the information? What can a, a, a resident or a, a person that is living in Florida expect to get? How, how are they going to share their information with the government? Well, it's different this year. Um, in years past, I think those of us that have taken the census um, have received a, a paper census in our 
um, mailbox. Mm -hmm. And uh, while we may have procrastinated taking it because, (laughs) you know, nobody likes surveys, honestly. Um, You know, even if I think of gift cards at the end of it. But if I'm already (laughs) resistant to taking a survey, a a paper census might sit there on the counter. I might move it over by my bills to be paid. Uh, But eventually, it's going to make you feel a little guilty and you're going to wind up taking it. No, by the way, guys, it's relatively painless. The head of household census is only nine questions long. Mm -hmm. So I don't want anybody to feel that it's um, an extensive, uh, in-depth profile that that is uh, going to take longer than 10 or 12 minutes to complete. And what kind of questions are on the census? They ask you um, uh, your your name, mm-hmm. uh, which they don't fact check because it just arrives to the residents, and they ask you basic demographic profile, mm-hmm. and this is so that healthcare, roads, schools, everything, um, infrastructure, mm-hmm. everything can be properly allocated, and they need that demographic demographic profile so that they can properly allocate those resources. Mm-hmm. Um, the difference this year is that um, they're beginning with trying to make certain that everybody responds electronically. My, oh. my initial response to that was, um, for many of our citizens, that's not going to be a, necessarily a challenge. Our neighbors um, who live in locations that have adequate access to high-speed, low-cost mm-hmm. uh, broadband but if you think about some of our neighbors that are living in the more rural communities, right. or you think about our neighbors that are of modest means, mm-hmm. um, or you think about our senior citizens who may be um, not um, as comfortable, uh, yeah, as yeah. conversant in how to navigate a URL to a survey, I think there are going to be some challenges before us. So. Mm-hmm. One of the things that we identified early on was that we needed to provide supports here in Polk County for those very reasons right. to our to our population centers. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think about, um, I was just down in Glades County uh, a couple of weeks ago, and, um, you know, they, they have a, a small population for the size of, of their county, um, but very limited access to even a cell phone signal I was struggling to get in Glades County, right. let alone Wi-Fi, let alone uh, free public Wi-Fi, right. um, if there's a need for that. But So it's kind of a double-edged in that probably the people that need the funding and infrastructure the most may not be the ones that have access to do it online. But that being said, if you receive a paper a survey in the mail, can you still return it as a paper survey? Yes. Okay. Yes. And that's very important yeah. important to know. And how, when you get this in the mail, how, how can you be sure it's the census you need to fill out? Well, first of all, you won't be receiving a, a census initially. Initially, okay. um, about the 12th of March, you'll st- we will start receiving in our mailboxes between the 12th and 20th, that two-week period of time, if you will, you'll receive um, a flyer, actually a fold-over mailer that will encourage you to go online and take the census. Okay. For those of you who'd like to take the census in a paper form, you can order a census by telephone and ask them to send you a paper census. Okay. Or you can go online immediately and start um, filling out the survey. There is a unique identifier code per address, which is a deduplicator, if you will, mm-hmm. so that once that unique identifying code is used, it will not allow replication for the physical address that it's received at. So every habitable residence, every um, uh, every structure that is deemed 
habitable, Mm -hmm. will be receiving a census in the mailbox during that time frame, a census prompt survey. And then uh, what we would like to see is the response rate um, be at a level that we have a comfort that people are responding to the census. There's a, the technology piece can be counterproductive for those individuals that are living in areas where they don't have access Mm -hmm. or they don't have the tools at home. But on the other hand, it will also help us target those soft response areas so that if they do need additional supports, we can focus on them. Right. You can say, hey, that obviously here's a district that we're not getting the response that we need, but we know people are there. So, correct. And so would that be followed up with either paper or knocking on doors or how does that work? Uh, They will eventually, and um, the, the, how can I say this? The plan has been fluid Mm -hmm. based upon what I think they're, uh, the feedback that the, they've been receiving from we in the field, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So what I may have heard as far as the timeline and a strategy in the fall has now matured. And I believe that we probably are going to be receiving paper census um, maybe by the second or third week in April, as opposed to um, later than that. It, It would be my preference that if you are inclined to take a paper survey that for your listeners mm-hmm. that they actually just go ahead and call and and, and get, get the that, paper survey right? right because the the last thing uh, the last thing that will happen is census takers will be walking our neighborhoods knocking on doors and I I think that that in itself is a barrier ten years ago. Um, I don't think we were as cautious about opening our doors as we are today, mm-hmm. and that isn't because I'm talking about Winter Haven. I'm talking about the United States in general. Right, right. Um, those of us who um, listen to the news and stay abreast of some of the alarming things that happen in even the best neighborhoods, mm-hmm. not all of us are accustomed to just opening our door any right. longer, right? right? We have uh, camera views or we worry <laughs> Talk about... Talk to them through the ring doorbell. <laughs> right, and we worry about porch pirates right, and... Right. and you know, if whether we have children in the home or whether or whether we have a senior that's aging in place, mm-hmm. you know, I tell my dad, please don't answer the door. Right. Don't even answer the phone mm-hmm. because there are uh, predators afoot right. that take advantage of the very populations that we're concerned about making certain we get counted. So kind of a two-part question with that. So what are the, how can you help identify a scammer? So as we know, there are just malicious people out there that see this opportunity for the 2020 census and say, oh, well, I can get an elderly person to give me their social security number or I can. So so what are the things that if someone starts asking you these? Well, first off, there are, there is nobody walking the street right now for the Correct. census. So if somebody right. comes to your door right now and says, I'm with the census, they're lying. So number one, right there. But um, what are those questions that if someone's asking you saying it's part of the census, that it should be a big red flag for you? Well, in the off chance that someone legitimate from the Census Bureau is in your neighborhood for for some reason that would not be known to me, it wouldn't Mm -hmm. be to take the census because you can't yet. But if they're doing preliminary research and they've knocked on your door, please be certain that you use, just like anyone would use, Mm -hmm. precautionary measures to speak to anyone, even if they're trying to put a roof on your house, right? Right. You, You make certain they've got the ID. If you're in question about the legitimacy of anyone representing themselves, you can go to, um, the 
you you can call Polk Vision. Mm-hmm. Um, Katie can put you in touch with me. <laughs> um, you can uh, go to polkcounts.org and you can navigate to a hotline number to the U.S. Census Bureau. Uh, but if there's anything that doesn't sound right or feel right, I would say resist that uh, touch. Don't resist taking the census, but resist that touch. Um, some things to be on the alert for. So for those of you who are listening who may have seniors or other family members that probably will need your assistance in taking the census, um, no one will knock on your door and start asking you questions about your Social Security number. Mm-hmm. They won't ask you your bank balance. They won't ask you where, your bank, where you bank, what your PIN numbers are, what your account numbers are. They, they won't ask you whether you're a citizen or not. Mm-hmm. Those, are, those are questions that are absolutely not on the census. And as you said, this is about getting a head count. This is a not about tracking down people and tracking down immigrants. I think there's been a lot of stories in the media of this certain level of fear that um, individuals that are here, whether they're here legally or illegally, but regardless, there are resources that are being used um, and we need to get an accurate count of that. So if you are an immigrant to this country, you should participate in the census. At the end of the day, it's going to a, um, I, I found that interesting and I did not know that. When I receive my census at my address, it's not going to be addressed to Katie Worthington Decker. It's going to be addressed to the address. my address. So um, I think that's an important point to note. And I think with all humility, we all understand that there are cultural uh, differences between many of our neighbors right now. Mm-hmm. And we've had, uh, we've opened our doors to folks from the Bahamas who may not be able to go back home because right. of the storm. So right. we're not just talking about the Hispanic population. We're talking about a number of cultural differences that might present barriers mm-hmm. to our communities. So while we are worried about our migrant families that are following the harvest mm-hmm. and uh, may or may not be in uh, group housing because they may or may not work uh, for a harvesting, they may work just locally right, and right. then follow the follow the uh, crops up north. Um, if they're here um, uh, put it, laying their head to sleep on April 1st, which is the day of demarcation, if, they, if they're here that day, they should be counted because that's the day of day. April 1st is census day. Gotcha. So whether you're technically a resident or technically a citizen, uh, those those aren't factors. What we want to know is who's who, who's your neighbor? Are you here? Are you uh, in Polk County? If you're in Polk County, you need to be po- counted in Polk County on April 1st. Certainly. And as you mentioned earlier, and I, I think this uh, can't be overemphasized enough, uh, the answers and the numbers and the data that comes in from this census has a direct tie to the uh, amount of funding that will be coming down um, from the federal government, coming through the state to then be allocated out to the counties. That is a, a paramount importance as we talk about uh, our schools and the capacity of our schools, healthcare assistance, all of those things that you mentioned are so, so important. Um, you know, we use the census at the chamber on a regular basis um, in terms of companies that are coming into the area and they want to know different things. So this is vitally important for a lot of people for a lot of different reasons. Every day we refer to the census. Mm-hmm. Every day, uh, whether you're um, a uh, nonprofit or whether you're a business person 
whether you work in government or private industry, every single day you're impacted in some way by um, using or referring to or interacting with something that stems from the census. Mm -hmm. It's an incredibly important tool for us um, to plan our planning divisions at the county and municipal level Mm -hmm. as they plan uh, roadways and and, uh, water resources and it uh, and we mentioned broadband, mm-hmm. how you, how you grow, managing your growth, all of that stems from census. Absolutely. So, Kim, if someone wants to kind of look up on their own or get more information on the census, where can they go? So the polkcounts.org uh, has been created as a local voice, uh, a local community outreach. If you're a large employer and you would like us to come out and speak to your mm-hmm. um uh, employees, we would be happy to do that. Polk counts, excuse me, dot org is uh, uh, accessible. You can also go to 2020census.gov mm-hmm. and download uh, a, and access videos and all sorts of information. I'd like to say that Polk County government, as well as our major municipal governments, have been extremely uh, cooperative and mm-hmm. responsive responsive and we are all working together to make certain that we have a unified voice you'll start to see um on the back of our citrus connection buses you'll start <laughs> you'll start to see some calls to action you'll uh, there's some videos that have been produced with trusted leaders our faith-based community has stepped up absolutely um we've had i've had the privilege of speaking to many many um faith leaders about this issue um as well as our um uh, community and hospitals. Everyone is really engaged and very supportive. Absolutely. So if you, um, as a listener, are someone that can share this information with your employees on your company's social media pages, uh, that sort of thing, please do, because it right. is very important to get this information out and to get our general public feeling comfortable about uh, uh, about the importance of right. this survey. So Kim, thank you so much for being here today. We really appreciate you being on the podcast. Thanks, Katie. This podcast is made possible through the generous support of local businesses in the Winter Haven community, including our presenting sponsor, Fred Simons Insurance Agency. That's right. There's a new farmer's insurance agent in your neighborhood. Meet Fred Simons with the Fred Simons Insurance Agency located at 325 Avenue C Southwest, Winter Haven, Florida. As the road you travel changes, so can your insurance needs. Give Fred Simons a call today at 863-259-1826 so he can help you as you assess whether you're ready for the journey ahead. That's Farmers Insurance Agent Fred Simons at 863-259-1826. We know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. We are farmers. Underwritten by Farmers, Truck Fire Insurance Exchanges and Affiliates. Products not available in every state. Well, that's it for another episode of It's Happening in the Haven. We'd like to thank our guests for today's podcast, Shelley Wilkes, president of the Lakeland Magic, and Kim Long with Polk Vision. Be sure to tune in every week to It's Happening in the Haven, available on all of your favorite podcasting platforms. To learn more about Winter Haven and the Chamber of Commerce, visit winterhavenchamber.com or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We hope you learned a little bit about our community today 
and even more about the people who are shaping its future. After all, no true community exists without the people who form it. Winter Haven. Some call it a haven. We call it home.